Good morning and welcome to Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am going to be breaking down a few stories today. The Lakers and the NBA are reacting to uh, the Lakers beating the Suns in Game 2. Everybody's having a nice laugh at Game 3. Paul Pierce is apparently into crypto and uh, and the Lakers know where they're going to be drafting in the upcoming NBA draft. We're going to start there here in a second. The Lakers will be drafting 22nd in the upcoming NBA draft. That is going to be taking place in July. Usually it's in June, uh, but with everything kind of pushed back just a little bit, everything this offseason is going to be pushed back about a month, give or take, uh, including Summer League, which is going to be in August instead of the normal July. Uh, so for those of you heading to Vegas, it's going to be even hotter. How about that? Uh, so let's let's discuss the number 22 pick, what that means for the Lakers, what they might be able to do with it. First and foremost, their option is obviously to take somebody. And based on what we're watching this off or this this current season, this postseason, I kind of think a position of need might actually be a a vertical threat big. Uh, those are, are are kind of nice to be able to just kind of slot in. You see some of the success uh, guys like Mitchell Robinson had this year, though it takes them maybe a year or so to, to figure things out. But it's a position of need. It's a replicable p- position of need. And it's one that if you can have it at a, at a consistent cost for the next few years, that makes, I think, a lot of sense uh, for the Lakers to pursue. They could also move that pick, though, and and see if they can add to their win-now roster, obviously with LeBron James and with Anthony Davis, uh, signed for the next few years. You you plan for having those guys around and, and, and extending this championship window, or if not extending it, optimizing it, giving yourself the best chance at winning. So it's going to be really fascinating to see this upcoming season what type of players are available for what kinds of packages, uh, given what we saw this year, where there are so many more teams that think they are either playoff bound, let alone potential contenders. Back to the season at hand, though. Jay Crowder, he of, I believe, one made field goal in this uh, in this series. At the very least, I think it's one made three-point attempt, and it was the four-point attempt uh, that came late in yesterday's game or two days ago's game. The uh, Jay Crowder is apparently liking tweets on there uh, that indicate that Anthony Davis's championship is fake. His his ring is fake. The irony there, though, is that Jay Crowder was on the Heat when Anthony Davis won his championship. So for those keeping track at home, apparently. Jay Crowder thinks that the championship that he lost is fake, and I can guarantee you he would not maintain that same energy had he won the championship last postseason. Way to go, Jay. Just keep on adding to your dislikability. (laughs) Just your general dislikability. In terms of actual basketball, though, the Lakers are going to be back in action tonight by the time you guys are listening to this. And it's going to be a huge game. The Lakers are going to want to carry some momentum forward here. I think they started to figure a few things out against Phoenix. So let's go over those really quickly. 
First and foremost, Anthony Davis has to attack the same way that he was attacking in uh, a couple days ago's game. The Lakers are their absolute best selves when Anthony Davis is attacking, not just in terms of while he is on the court, what that means for everybody around him, but also because of the options that that, gave, that, that gives Frank Vogel. Vogel said at, in, in reacting to the response to the game one loss that he didn't feel comfortable. He didn't like what he saw from the uh, lineups with Anthony Davis at the five in game one. And that has a lot to do with the fact that Anthony Davis just didn't play well. They, he admitted it, that he played really poorly. He tied his career low for points in that game one loss. He came back and I thought did a much better job of really focusing on getting to the basket and then allowing that to set up jumpers if he was going to take a jumper. I There was a stretch, obviously, between in, in the uh, late in the third, early in the fourth quarter, where Davis started getting back to some bad habits. But for the most part, especially down the stretch of that game, Davis was the typical, typical holy crap, how is he doing all of this, Anthony Davis. And that lifts the Lakers to an echelon that Phoenix just can't reach. In terms of rotations and decisions that the Lakers were making, I thought it was a really good idea to tie all of Andre Drummond's minutes to LeBron James's minutes. To this point, most of those Andre Drummond minutes have been tied to Anthony Davis, and I just don't think that makes very much sense for either of those players. Tying those minutes to LeBron James, however, means that Andre Drummond can create extra possessions for LeBron James, hopefully in, in a little bit more space if uh, Drummond isn't out there with Anthony Davis as well. And then because it's an Andre Drummond and some smaller power forward, quote-unquote smaller because LeBron is in there at the four, uh, if that is the case, then that means Drummond has enough space to operate down low and, and really take advantage and create the aforementioned extra opportunities for LeBron. So I just think that was something that Frank Vogel did that I think he really should focus on continuing to do moving forward. Elsewhere in the center rotation, Marcus Gasol took Montrez Harrell's minutes, and I'm not going to go out and say that that was the sole reason and that was what turned everything around for the Lakers, but they did look better. Anthony Davis obviously playing like Anthony Davis. That's the big reason here why the Lakers look so much better against Phoenix in Game 2 versus Game 1. But you have to ask yourself, are those things linked? Is Marcus Gasol's insertion into the rotation part of the reason why Anthony Davis looks so much better? Part of it, I think, I think we have to give credit where credit is due in saying that Anthony Davis really pushed the uh, put pressure on Phoenix with his drives to the basket and and with the way that he was attacking the key, that's his own personal choice. But he can also do that more effectively when there are some minutes that he isn't the center but still has space in the key. So offensively, I think it makes a lot more sense. Defensively, it's going to be something to keep an eye on because especially down the stretch of that game, Phoenix started picking on Gasol a little bit. And if they really start kind of picking at that scab, it's going to be interesting to see if the Lakers opt to opt for limiting those minutes and limiting those opportunities for Phoenix or just saying, all right, maybe we give up a bucket or two over there, but we're going to score at a, at a higher rate down at the other end. And that's not usually how Frank Vogel operates. Uh, that's not normally the kind of, of 
logic that he pursues, he usually goes for, we'll get an extra stop down there to make up for what we lose on the offensive end. But it's also kind of hard to argue with the results. It's going to be interesting, though, uh, if Trez gets another DNP CD, will will his mind kind of stay in the game for whenever the Lakers need him next? Now, regarding guards, Dennis Schroeder was a completely different player on Tuesday night versus Sunday and even the the few games that he after his return leading up to the postseason. You got to, again, ask what might be factoring into that. Is it a matter of space? Is it a confidence thing? Is he getting his legs under him? He said that his conditioning wasn't quite where he wanted it to be uh, coming out of the COVID protocols. So it could be any number of factors, but the Lakers have to do whatever they can to continue to put him in the best place to succeed. In in this case, unfortunately, I, I again think that this is a matter of spacing that Schroeder had that he didn't have in game one. And again, I'm not here to dump on Montrez Harrell. I'm not here to dump on, on Andre Drummond. And I'm not even saying that Marcus Saul is the second coming. All I'm saying is basketball is a relatively simple sport. If you allow the defense to have an extra defender in or near the key and your point guard wants to get into the key to have success, then obviously that's going to impact that second thing. No matter what the reason for it was, though, the Lakers need Schroeder to continue to play like that. And the nice thing about it, if you go back and watch, it's not a matter of some outlier shooting. It wasn't like he went out and hit eight three-pointers. If that was the case, I'd be a little bit more nervous about the sustainability of that success. But it was actually drives to the basket. I thought he was a lot more contained, and he moved with a lot more discipline and assertion uh, assertiveness out there with with which he hasn't operated to this point. So more of that, please. And finally, please, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Alex Caruso, Kyle Kuzma, Wesley Matthews, you guys are considered the team's shooters. You are supposed to shoot. Shoot the ball and ideally make the ball, but definitely shoot the ball. And I thought one of the things that LeBron especially got frustrated with over the course of the end of that game was how reluctant some of those guys looked to shoot the basketball. Whether or not they're making it is is moot, in my opinion. They have to shoot the ball because once they stop shooting, once Phoenix recognizes that they're going to hesitate out there, that's an extra half second that Phoenix can commit to stopping LeBron, stopping Anthony Davis, stopping even Dennis Schroeder in the key. And the Lakers just flat out cannot have that. Typically, historically, role players shoot better at home. Let's hope that that trend continues here and that these guys get back on track. Uh, if they do, it's it honestly feels like the Lakers might blow Phoenix out. If, they, if everything else stays the same and these guys just make jumpers, I think the Lakers are just a much better team. Callie agrees. All right, so what to look for ahead uh, from everybody at Silver Skin and Roll in our coverage of this next game? Well, for one thing, uh, locker room is going to be a thing again. Uh, Harrison and I will be reacting to the game uh, after it happens, and that that show will air as soon as we are done uh, recording and editing it. 
uh, and then and then just keep an eye out for all of the articles and all of the uh, notes from the game from guy, from people like Christian, from Sabrina, from Harrison, everybody at the super talented uh, team that, that, that Vox was kind enough to put together for everybody. So I cannot wait to see how this next game goes. I feel fairly confident in it. Uh, no matter how it goes, though, we are all going to be here to get through it together. I'm Anthony Irwin, saying have a good one.